0: law of the spirit of life being the key to being an overcomer. And a lot of you weren't weren't there last night, so I would like to review for you just in a concise way, I hope in a concise way, uh, what we shared last night. Uh, as you read from the scriptures, in Romans 7, what we have is three lives and four laws. Three lives and four laws. Uh in our flesh, you can see on the diagram here, in our flesh, our body went in the fall got transmuted into the flesh and got corrupted in the flesh, full of evil desires, evil things. So there's the evil life of Satan in our flesh, the evil life of Satan in our flesh. Then in our soul, there's the created human life, the created human life. Then in our spirit, praise the Lord, there's the divine life. eternal life. The uncreated life of God. So we have these three lives. And every life has a law. Every life has a law. Every life is a law. Now, when we use the term law, you have to get this. A law is a spontaneous power. A law is an automatic principle. A law is an innate capacity. So, Just like the law of gravity, we know if I drop this, if I I let go of this, we know what's going to happen, right? It's not going to just suspend here, right? Because the law of gravity is so powerful, it's a spontaneous power, it's an automatic principle, and so it falls to the ground, right? So, uh, of course, we don't want to be in the law of gravity. We want to be in the divine and mystical law of aerodynamics. We want to soar like an eagle, like an eagle. You know, in Proverbs 30, I'm jumping ahead, it's hard, I, I've just got so many things here. You know, in Proverbs 30, 18 and 19, uh, the person who wrote these Proverbs said, certain things are too wonderful for me, certain things I don't understand. And then he said, the first thing he said was the way of an eagle in the sky. The way of an eagle in the sky. That should be our Christian life the law of the spirit of life is to live by the way of an eagle in the sky is your christian life the way of an eagle in the sky not so many amen's <laughs> okay we want it to be that way so we need to pray lord transfer me from romans 7 into romans 8 into romans 8 now you have spontaneous law, laws or spontaneous powers Automatic principles, innate capacities, they're effortless, and they're unconscious. They're unconscious. Like, for instance, I gave an example last night. No one sends uh, little kids to schools of how to lie. There's not, a, there's not a class in elementary school in lying, in lying. But, but little, little boys lie. When my little boys were little, they lied. and they, Not that they habitually lied. But they lied because there's a law of sin and of death in their flesh. And so when I came home from, I, I said last night, when I came home from, from serving one day, uh, they were, I, I entered the door and they were running across the threshold. And I knew they were doing something bad. And I said, what are you guys doing? I could just tell they were doing something that was naughty. I said, what are you guys doing? They both pointed at one another. They said, he did it. He did, I didn't even know what they did. He said, he did it. So there's, there's something in our flesh that's a law, that's an automatic principle, that's an innate capacity, that's a spontaneous power that makes us captive and makes us do things that we don't want to do. We don't want to do these things, but there's a powerful law in our flesh that forces us to do what we don't want to do. Now, every life has a law, and every life is a law. Every life is a law. For example, um, if you take a cat, the cat has the cat life, right? And the cat life is a law. A cat will chase mice. If you want mice to be eradicated from your house, just get a good cat. Just get a good cat. You know, I couldn't believe. One time I was in my apartment, this was many years ago, and I saw this mouse I spontaneously jumped up on the chair. This big guy jumped up on the chair. You know what I mean? You know, I used to see people do that. And now I understand why they do it. I jumped up on the chair because that mouse was so fast. Man, he was going back and forth so fast. Then he went into the little hole, you know, in the, in the side of the baseboard there. And uh, I said, My, but, but cats don't jump on a, up on the chair. Cats don't do that, right? They chase mice. They chase mice. And dogs have a dog life. They bury bones. They dig holes. They dig holes. No one teaches them to dig holes. With my dog, I didn't go out there and say, Okay, buddy. His name is Buddy. I didn't say, Okay, buddy. Now here's what you do here. You go like this, you go like this, and and you dig a hole. I didn't train him to do that. He just does it automatically. And he digs the deep... You can't believe our yard. He digs the deepest holes Of any dog I've ever had. Uh, Sometimes I think he's going to dig to China sometimes. You know what I mean? He just digs. Well, that's the dog life. And that's the law of the dog life. Well, we we have three laws in our being. We have the law of sin and of death, which is a powerful law that forces us to do what we don't want to do. Forces us to do evil things. But in our soul... Even in our created human life, even though we're fallen, we still have our created human life and we have what's called the law of good, the law of good, which Paul calls in Romans 7, he calls it the law of my mind, the law, with, the, with the law of my mind, I myself, I like to serve the law of God, which is outside of us, with the law of my mind, the mind is a part of the soul, the soul is our mind, will and emotion. But praise the Lord, when we got saved, another law came into us. Another law came into us. And this law, I want to impress you this morning that this law is a person. Amen. This law is a person. The triune God has been processed. He went through the process of incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension to become the life-giving spirit. And that life-giving spirit is now a law. He is a Spontaneous power. He is an automatic principle. He is an innate capacity. And so when you are in your spirit, when you exercise your spirit, when you use your spirit, just forget about everything else. Just focus on the bullseye. When you use your spirit, when you exercise your spirit, when you employ your spirit, when you pay attention to your spirit, this law operates. And this law, the spirit of Zoe... We're talking about zoe here, the divine life, the eternal life, the uncreated life, the unlimited life of God, the law of the spirit of zoe in Greek. This law is more powerful than the law of sin and of death. But, saints, we have to realize, we read the verse, it says, when I try to do good, evil is right there with me. You see, so you try to be a good Christian. You see, Romans 7 was written... When Paul wrote Romans 7, this is a description of his life before he was saved. But Romans 7 is a description of the lives of most Christians after they're saved. After they're saved. We try to be a good Christian. We try to be a good brother. We try to please God. We try to live the church life. And so we try. We try. We try to do good. When we try to do good, evil is right there with us, dragging us down. And so... The church life, if we live this way, if we disregard our spirit and just try to do good, then evil is right there with us. When you try to do good, you flicked on the wrong switch. You see, when I try to do good, evil is right there with me. So he says, I find then the law that when I try to do the good, the evil is there with me. So don't flick on the wrong switch. Don't try to do good. Forget about trying to be a good man, or a good sister. Uh, okay. Uh, so you have a, you have these laws here, and saints. This law of sin and of death is much more powerful than the law of good in our soul. Much more powerful than the law of good in our soul. And our soul again is composed of our mind, will, and emotion. Our human will cannot overcome the law of sin and of death you have to remember that you know uh, maybe you had a strong will before you got saved maybe after you got saved you still exercised your will to you know before I got saved I was I was trained to use my will you know what I mean to just push through everything you know what I mean just use your will and will yourself will yourself to victory you know what I mean uh, use your will but but eventually in the Christian life in the church life, the human will is powerless against the law of sin and of death. The human will is like fighting against the law of gravity. And I shared last night, uh, the best, one of the best examples I could think of is I had this teacher who when I, when I was in junior high, I was, a, I was a bad boy sometimes. And he would send me to the back of the room and he would put books on my hands. And like this, you can't get away with that today. Uh, anyway, he would put books on my hands and he'd say, OK, I don't want you to hold these books for as long as you can for the rest of the class. Can you imagine? And so my hands would go down and he'd say, get them up, Marks, get those hands up. And oh, oh, my, my arms would be hurting so bad. But the weight on those hands was not that much. It was not that much. But I could not overcome the law of gravity. You see, this law of sin and of death is like the law of gravity. This law of good is like my hands trying to overcome the law of gravity. But praise the Lord, there's another law in my spirit. And that's the law of aerodynamics. That's the way of an eagle in the sky. Proverbs 30, 18 and 19. The way of an eagle in the sky. You get in this law and it overcomes this law. And you you just soar you just soar. Like Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and will not be weary. They will walk and will not faint. So when you wait on the Lord, it means you stop yourself. You stop yourself with your life, with your living, with your doing and your activity. Just like we're stopped here. We're stopped here today, right? And we take God and Christ as our life, our person, and our replacement. That's what it means to wait upon the Lord. Now, saints, this morning, I am preaching the gospel to everyone in this room. Amen. This is good news. Amen. The gospel is the good news. Now, in Romans 1.1, Paul said he was separated under the gospel of God. So the whole book of Romans is the gospel of God. And so in Romans 1, uh, I believe it's 16, if I'm not mistaken, brothers, 16, I think, where he says, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. But in Romans 1, he says, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. The Romans were already believers, but he wanted, he wanted to preach the gospel to them. Is it, was it what? What is it? Romans 1, 15. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. So Romans 8 is a big part of this gospel. It's a big part of the good news. The good news. We need this gospel of Romans 8. Most Christians are trapped in Romans 7. In Romans 7. You see, we have 1 Thessalonians 5.23 here, by the way, which says we have a spirit and a soul and a body. So, but we don't want to be trapped in Romans 7 anymore. We don't want to live the church life by pushing the airplane. You know, I didn't, I got, an, I, I got a ticket for Alaska Airlines and I didn't push that plane, right? That would be ludicrous, right? You push the plane. We can be like that. We can say, oh no, I have to serve with the junior hires this morning. You know, you serve with the junior hires, you need to be an overcomer. They're not sitting there going, amen, Brother Ed. Draw not the word from me. You know what I mean? We're here to draw out the word from you. They're not doing that. They're not doing that. So you have to be on Eagle Airlines when you're with the junior hires. This is where you have to be. Then everything is pleasant. Everything is wonderful. Everything is effortless. Everything is unconscious, is unconscious and effortless. A law is unconscious and effortless. You have the law of digestion. Right now, I'm digesting my oatmeal and assimilating it, and it's unconscious, it's effortless. I, I'm not saying, okay, you need to digest your... Own. If, if, if I'm conscious of it, something's wrong with my stomach, right? If I'm struggling, something's wrong. But, but the fact that there's a law of digestion shows that it's effortless, it's unconscious. There's a law of electricity, right? Which means that I don't have to call the power plant to uh, get these lights to shine, Because electricity has been installed into this building. Saints, the divine and mystical electricity has been installed into your spirit. Hallelujah. And that divine and mystical electricity is a law. Is a person. I want you to be impressed that this law is a person. This person is the process trying God. Embodied in Christ, realized as the Spirit, who is a spontaneous power, an automatic principle, an innate capacity, and he's effortless and he's unconscious. Effortless and unconscious. You just, you just enjoy him. Saints, we need to give ourselves just to enjoy the Lord. Amen. One time, uh, Brother he was in a meeting, and he asked the brothers on the front row, he said, Brother, why did you come to this meeting? And, you know, whenever Brother Lee asked a question, it was always a lose-lose situation. (laughs) You know, you could never get the right answer, you know. Uh, Very rarely, very rarely. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I have some stories I could tell you. Anyway, I won't go into that. But anyway, he asked the brothers on the front row, and they all tried to answer, and they were all wrong, of course. And he said, listen, we came to this meeting this morning to contact God in our spirit. Isn't that wonderful? That's why we came here this morning. To contact God in our spirit. When you contact God in your spirit, then the zoe in your spirit gets dispensed into all the parts of your being. And so, we read read Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life has freed me. Oh, hallelujah, we are freed. The law of the spirit of life has freed me in Christ Jesus From the law of sin and of death. Then in Romans 8, 4, he says, says, if you walk according to the Spirit, walk according to the Spirit, that means you live, move, and have your being according to the Spirit. Then the righteous requirement of the law, that's another law, a law outside of us, which you could take this whole Bible in the wrong way. You could take it as a law. You see, Genesis through Deuteronomy is the Old Testament law. But you can even take the New Testament as your law if you don't read it properly. You see, Paul, uh, the Lord said in John 5, 39 and 40, He said, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have life. But it is these that testify concerning me. But you are not willing to come to me that you might have life. So when we come to the Scriptures, we have to come to Him in our spirit. And we have to exercise our spirit. Okay, now. I have here the law of God. That's outside of us. And the law of God is a portrait of God. Is a portrait of God. Not many people realize this. You know, if you make a law, it'll be your portrait. If you're a bank robber and you make a law, you might say on, on, on every other Saturday, you can rob banks. <laughs> anyway, maybe that's a ludicrous example, but but it's a reflection of your person. It's a portrait of your person, the law that you make. So the law is a portrait of God, a portrait of God. Now, uh, this portrait is, uh, is, uh, is God in his attributes, God in his attributes. God is love, God is light, God is holiness, and God is righteousness. Now, when we look at this portrait, Apart from our spirit, we look at this portrait with our soul and our body. We realize I'm not like this at all, right? God's desire is that we would express Him in His image, that we that we would be the living portrait of God, right? Isn't that God's will? He wants us to be filled with Him, to contain Him, to be filled with Him in our spirit, soul, and body, so that we express Him. And become his living portrait. Amen. But when we look at the, when we look at the law, the picture of the law, we find, my goodness, God is like this, and I'm not like that. I'm not like that. I won't get the brother up I got up last night. But anyway, uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm just not like that. I'm not like that portrait. Uh, God is love, but I hate. God is light, but I'm in darkness. God is holiness but I'm worldly. God is righteousness, but I'm full of lawlessness. Well, what happens is this. According to the Bible, the law of God, it does does certain things. It convicts us of our sin. It, It exposes us of our sin. It subdues us to make us realize you can't be this way in yourself. But it does another thing. It does another positive thing, and that's in Galatians 3.24. In Galatians 3.24, this law escorts us. It says the law is a child conductor to bring you to Christ. The law is a child conductor. So what this law does is it's an escort, E S C O R T. It escorts you, it escorts you to the person of this portrait. The law of the Spirit of life is the person of this portrait. Isn't that wonderful? You have the person of this portrait in your spirit. And this person is a law. He is the law of the Spirit of life. And the law of God, we saw in Romans 7, Paul after, after Paul talks about the law of God, he said, oh, wretched man that I am, right? He looked at this... He said, I'm a wretched man. So he was a desperate seeker. He became a desperate seeker because he realized, I can't live up to this law. But then he said, who can deliver me from the body of this death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed me from the law of sin and of death. Isn't that wonderful? Saints, let's... Let's at least this morning, we are here to exercise our spirit. Let's exercise our spirit all morning, at least for this meeting. Let's forget about everything. Forget about yesterday. Forget about tomorrow. All you have is the moment. All you have is today. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, remember, um, now, here, here's what's amazing, too. Uh, you know, I talked about the power of the will. Can't, the power of your human will can't, in soul, can't overcome the law of sin and of death. You know, uh, one of the most uh, damaging things to the Christian life is performance, is performance, where you perform you perform to be a christian and you know in the church life it's hard to perform and you go to when you go to a home meeting it's you can't it's it's very hard to perform you can't just paste you're sad and you can't paste a smile on your face and you know you can't do it you can't perform right performances but performance is the most damaging thing to the christian life that's why we don't want to perform we don't want to have a performance right Uh, we want to have a real, normal, Christian life. And if we're going to have a normal Christian life, an effortless Christian life, an unconscious Christian life, we need this spontaneous power, we need this automatic principle, we need this innate capacity, this spontaneous power, this automatic principle, this innate capacity is a person. And this person is the law of the spirit of life. The spirit of life is now a law. It's now a law in our spirit. Now also, um, Dexter pointed out last night, I thought that was very enlightening when he shared. Uh, I would like to share this. You know, before we got saved, we were, we were, we were called in the Bible, souls. souls Because this is the seed of our personality. So if you look at Acts 7... Uh, Stephen said about 70 souls came out of Egypt. About 70 souls came out of Egypt. Our soul was our person before we got regenerated. But now that we're regenerated, we have a new person in our spirit. Now our soul is no longer our person. Our spirit is our person. Isn't that wonderful? So that's why it says in Ephesians 3.16 that we would be strengthened with power through his spirit Into the inner man. What is the inner man? The inner man is our spirit with God's life as its life. Our spirit with God's life as its life. Our spirit mingled with the law of the spirit of life is our inner man. In in 1 Peter 3, 4, it says our spirit is the hidden man of our heart. The hidden man of our heart. In other words, our heart surrounds our spirit. Our heart is our mind our will and our emotion, and our conscience, which is also a part of our spirit. And our spirit is the hidden man of our heart. So our person now is our spirit. Is our spirit. Isn't that wonderful? So you are no longer souls. You are spirits. You might think that's strange. Now, let me... um, I happen to have this here. I I didn't plan on this, but... One time, Brother Lee gave a, a, a message to the full-time trainees in December 16, 1995. And he said, a loving word of eternal word to the full-time trainees. He had that underlined. he had he was joined to the Lord as one spirit. Then he said, the key of the f- spiritual fellowship of the regenerated tripartite believers with the consummated triune God. And he has 18 points here on the divine spirit, meaning with our human spirit to be one spirit. Be one spirit. And uh, he wanted me to proofread this before he gave it to the, uh, the saints. And so I proofread it. And I came to one point. I said, this sounds a little strange. I better check with Brother Lee on this. So I went to Andrew's office. And I said, because it was Brother Lee put it together quickly. He could do that. He was so constituted, you know. So um, I said, Andrew, I have a little question on this point. And who and said, well, let's call Brother Lee. And here's what the point says. We were regenerated of God as the spirit to be a spirit. We were regenerated of God as the spirit to be a spirit. So we are no longer a soul. Seventy souls came out of Egypt. We are spirits. Our spirit is our person. Amen. Our spirit is our inner man. Amen. Our spirit is our hidden man. Amen. Our spirit is now our person. So Andrew called Brother Lee and he said, Brother Lee, Ed has a question on number two. We were regenerating of God as a spirit to be a spirit. Brother Lee said, that's right, Andrew, that's correct. And you tell Ed, I want him to read that, all these points to the saints. <laughs> so I had to read it even though I wasn't that clear about it. But I thought about it later, and it's so clear that we're no longer souls, we are spirits. And since we're spirits, we should exercise our spirits. Our spirits should be the most prominent part of our being. You know, uh, it's just like, saints, if I turn around and, and walk toward the board, the first thing that would touch the board, I think, would be my nose. Would be my nose, regretfully speaking. It would be my nose because my nose is very prominent, right? Well, anyway, uh, the most prominent part of our being should be our spirit. When people touch us, that's what they should touch first, is our spirit. Because we we, we were regenerated of God as the spirit to be a spirit. To be a spirit. Okay. And in the church life, we don't have to perform in the church life. We just have to switch on. Switch on. You know where it says, the law of the spirit of life has freed me... From the law of sin and of death. That me there is the switching me. Quote, quote. The switching me. You switch on. You just have to switch this law on. And life is dispensed into your tripartite being. It's dispensed into your whole tripartite being. We'll talk talk about this in a minute. Okay. Uh, I think I covered last night pretty well. Hallelujah. (laughs) Now. Now we come to Roman number 1. Let's look at Romans number 1. Romans 8 reveals that the process trying God as the law of the spirit of life gives the divine life to the believers for their living. Gives the divine life to the believers for their living. So, uh, we shared this last night, but I've got the point on here now. When, when, when the law of the spirit of life came into us, Romans 8.10 says, if Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of, uh, of sin, the spirit is zoe, because of righteousness. The spirit, So your spirit is zoe. Now there's three Greek words for life for those who are new among us. There's bios, where we get the word biology from. There's suke, which is P-S-U-C-H-E, where we get the word psychology from which is the study of the mind, and the mind is the leading part of the soul. But you can't go to UW and take a course in zoology, Because Zoe is the divine life of God. Zoe is the eternal life of God. Zoe is the unlimited life of God. When I start mentioning the life of God, I get beside myself. I start using all kinds of adjectives. Spectacular, wonderful, awesome, wonderful life of God. In our spirit. Saints. I have good news for you this morning. You might be tired. You know I see some people yawn. And it's okay. But listen. Your spirit is Zoe. Let's say my spirit is Zoe together. My spirit is Zoe. That's the fact. At least one third of your being is Zoe. Now Romans 8.6 says. The mindset on the spirit is Zoe. So when you set your mind on the Spirit, your mind, which is the leading part of your soul, becomes Zoe, and that that and your will and emotion uh, follow that. So your soul, the mind becomes Zoe. Can you imagine that? Your mind can actually become, your mind just doesn't contain Zoe. The mind set on the Spirit is Zoe. So your mind is the eternal life of God. Your mind is the unlimited life of God. Your mind is the uncreated life of God. Your mind is Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Christ is life. Life is a person. He said, I am the Zoe. I am the way, the truth, and the Zoe, the life. So he's the life. He's the law of the spirit of life. We set our mind on the spirit. Our mind is life. That means to set your mind on the spirit means you pay attention to your spirit. You use your spirit. You exercise your spirit. You see, in 1 Timothy 4, 7, it says, exercise yourself unto godliness. Which exercise there is where we get the Greek word for gymnastics. Gymnastics from. Uh, So we gymnastics ourselves. Unto godliness. Unto godliness. Uh, Anyway. uh, You know, we exercise... We exercise our bios too much, right? Maybe not too much. Maybe not enough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But people are always taking care of their bios, right? And they take care of their suke. But who takes care of their spirit? Who takes care of their spirit? Not many people. Not many people. But we need to take care of our spirit. We need to pay attention to our spirit. We need to use our spirit. We need to set our mind on the spirit. And saints, one of the, there, there's so many ways we can set our mind on the spirit. We'll talk about them in, in a little bit. Okay, now in Romans 8 11, it says, If the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give bios. No. Does it say that? No. Will also give suke. No. Will also give what? Zoe. Zoe. To your mortal body. Through his spirit, who indwells you? Of course, this happens at our rapture. When we're raptured, our physical body gets swallowed up by life, according to uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 4. Our physical body gets swallowed up by life. But we can have a foretaste of that even today. I think we all have foretastes of this in the meeting. We come to the meeting, we're tired, we might feel out of it, but after the meeting, we're we're energized. We're energized because we got a foretaste of zoe being dispensed into our mortal body and swallowing up the death in our mortal body. Okay, now we come to A. A says, now before I come to A, sorry, I just want to mention one thing. We have Romans eight twenty-eight and 29 on here. It says, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this, this verse is vastly misinterpreted. All things work together for good. It means, uh, it means to most people, well, if something bad happens to me, something else good is going to happen to me, and, and this is going to work out for my good. In other words, I get a flat tire, and the Lord will give me a BMW. <laughs> you know, that's an extreme example. Or, or something bad happens to me here, all things will work together for good. But it, that, that isn't what this means here. It says all things work together for good to those who love God. And then in the next verse, it says, it talks about being conformed to the image of his son. That is the good there. The good there is that we're transformed and conformed to the image of God's son. That is the good. The good is your transformation. Transformation. The good is your confirmation. You're being shaped into the image of the firstborn son of God. That is good. That is good. You used to be one way. Ray, I don't know. Maybe about 50 years ago, you were different from what you are today, right? (laughs) You've been transformed a little bit, right? (laughs) I believe so. I believe a lot, brother. A lot. Uh, But anyway transformation is a huge miracle it's a huge miracle and all things work together for our transformation and our confirmation you know i told this story before this brother who came among us was a hippie and he had hair everywhere this was back in the back back in the day as they say you know what i mean and he had his clothes were like a neon sign and uh no one told him. You need. No one told him to behave himself. No one told him. Now, now, brother, you need to be a good brother. You need to get a haircut. You need to change your clothes. If they would, they, they would have done that. He would have been right here, right? He would have been right here. They didn't do that. They said, brother, you need to enjoy the Lord. Let's enjoy the Lord together. Let's switch on the law of the spirit of life. So they did that, and spontaneously a metabolic change began to pl- take place within him that metabolic change in life is the divine life being infused into our soul to metabolically change our natural life into the divine life into the divine life where the mindset on the spirit is life is life so uh he began to be transformed pretty soon he looked like Jeff here on the front row Jeff right he looked like Jeff, and you, and you wouldn't have known, you wouldn't have known, and it wasn't anything outward. You know, you can go to the Marines, and they can cut off your hair, they can uh, they can make you dress a certain way, but after you get out, the hair comes back. I can testify, my son, from my son, <laughs> the hair, the hair comes back, the, the clothes you wore come back, you know. Everything comes back because you didn't have a metabolic change. You just had an outward change. You had an outward change. But we're talking about a metabolic change in life, in your soul, where you read the Word of God prayerfully, and that Word transforms you and makes you a different kind of person. Well, this brother, he went to the DMV, the, you know, the Department of Motor Vehicles. He had to get his license changed, and uh, he gave his own license to the lady. And she looked at it and she looked at him and she said, my goodness, this isn't you. You know, because the, the one on the license had all this hair, you know, and the one the one here looked kind of like me, you know, not exactly like me. But, you know, you know, uh, and uh, you know what he said to her? I love this. He said she kept looking at the license and looking at him, looking at the license, and looking at him. He said, Jesus did it. <laughs> Jesus did it. I love that brother. He's in the recovery today. I tell you, brothers and sisters, Jesus is doing something in our spirit. You know those signs that say men at work? We should put a sign in our inner being that says God at work. The law of the spirit of life at work. Now, um, A says, well, you know, this thing about the, the spirit as the law of the spirit of life, the Spirit also operates in our environment, too, in our environment to transform us. He operates within us. He operates in our environment. So uh, Watchman Lee has two articles that he shares on Jeremiah 48:11. Jeremiah 48:11, And this verse says this. It says, Moab has been at ease from his youth. Have you been at ease from your youth? No amens. That's good news. I'm glad you have not been at ease from your youth. If you have, you would never be transformed. But Moab was at ease from his youth and said he has settled on his lees, L-E-E-S. I'll tell you what that is in a minute. He has settled on his lees. He has not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into exile. Therefore, his taste remains in him and his scent is not changed. Now, what the Lord wants to do, he wants to transform you to change your taste and to change your scent. To change your taste to the taste of Christ. Taste and see that the Lord is good. To change your scent to the scent of Christ. Where you become, according to 2 Corinthians 2, a fragrance of Christ. A fragrance of Christ to God and to the people around you. So he wants to change our taste. He wants to change our scent. Now, how does he do that? We make sure that we're not at ease. You know, in Amos 6, I read this verse just yesterday and wrote it in my journal. Amos 6.1 says, Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. We don't want to be at ease in the church life. We want to be exercising our spirit, right? Switching on the law of the spirit of life. Then it's effortless, spontaneous, but it needs our cooperation. It needs our consent. He needs our consent. So, uh, the way they purified wine in those days was, they had a vessel, and they would put the liquid, with the sediment of the wine, would be in a vessel. The sediment is the lees, L-E-E-S, so the lees, the L-E-E-S, would settle at the bottom. That's the sediment of the wine. That that signifies our natural life, our old man, our old life. You see, that's uh, so your taste remains in you. Your sin has not changed. So what, he said Moab has not been emptied from vessel to vessel. So if you're going to purify that wine so its taste changes and its scent changes, you need to pour it into another vessel. You need to do it very carefully, very slowly, so that as many leaves as possible remains in this vessel. And you do it carefully and slowly. Now, this is what the Lord is doing with us in our environment while we're enjoying him while we're calling on his name, while we're pray-reading his word, while we're coming to the meetings, while we're switching on the law of the spirit of life, he's emptying us from vessel to vessel. He's emptying us from one person to another person, from one circumstance to another circumstance, from one environment to another environment, from one situation to another situation, from one suffering to another suffering, (laughs) from one oven to another oven. Right? There's a big oven in the recovery. And there's room in that oven for all of us. Okay, but that's not enough. Because when you do this vessel, it still has lees in it. So you need to empty it to another vessel. Then you need to empty it to another vessel. This is what the Lord is doing in our environment. He's emptying us out from one circumstance to another circumstance, from one person to another person, from one situation to another situation, from one environment to another environment, while he's working within to transform us to the image and conform us to the image of the firstborn Son of God. Isn't that wonderful? So he's tearing down everything natural in our being, and he's rebuilding and restructuring us with himself as the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's read A all together. God's desire and goal So this law is constantly transmitting this life into each one of us to build up the church and to minister the riches of Christ to everyone who contacts us. Now, 1 John 5:16 is a very wonderful verse, and our sister, uh, one of our sisters, shared this verse in the meetings in uh, in Bellevue. 1 John 5:16 says, "If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin not unto death, he shall ask." And he will give him life. And the word he will give him life is lowercase he. Which means you see, when you see something, when you see, oh, Tony looks down to me. You shouldn't say, you shouldn't go up to Tony right away and say, Tony, you need to turn to your spirit. If you say turn to your spirit, he'll just go, he'll he'll go way down, right? You You need to ask, you need to say, oh, Lord, Tony, you need to be an asker and you need to pray for him. Need to say, Oh Lord, Brother Tony, Mega. May He have your Mega Life. Yeah. And you pray for Him. And you pray for Him. Then you go to Tony and spontaneously, unconsciously, effortlessly, you give life to Him. You become a channel, you become a channel of Zoe to Him. He is the Zoe giving spirit, the life giving spirit, and you become so one with Him that you actually give Zoe to people. Isn't that wonderful? You can actually give Zoe to people. It's wonderful, wonderful. Okay, um, let's read B all together. We must be controlled and directed by the law of the Spirit of life. To experience a genuine and normal Christian life. Okay, now how do we do this? These points under here show us. One, we need to walk according to the Spirit. To walk here means to live according to the Spirit, it means to move according to the Spirit, it means to have your being according to the Spirit. A says if we insist on anything for our own sake, interest, or profit, even if the thing itself is not sinful or immoral, We are walking according to the flesh. So don't insist on things for your own sake, interest, or or profit, because then you'll be walking according to the flesh. B says, according to the Bible, there is no third choice or neutral ground. Everything is according to either the flesh or the spirit. In Galatians 5.17, it says, The flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these oppose each other. So that you would not do the things that you desire. In other words, you desire to do things in your flesh. But the the spirit is antagonistic to the flesh. The spirit says no. Your flesh may say go. But the spirit will say no. You see, the spirit is antagonistic to the flesh. It's good that it is. Because we get directed and controlled by the spirit that way. Okay, now look at C. This is very practical. When we deduct the flesh, what remains is the Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Just deduct the flesh. Just put a minus sign there. I'm going to deduct the flesh. What remains is the Spirit. Since we know what the flesh is, we can walk according to the Spirit simply by not walking according to the flesh. Now 2 says, we need to be according to the Spirit. A says, a living according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh is the realization of an inward law, the law of the spirit of life. B says, being according to the flesh is like remaining on the ground, according to the law of gravity, which may be likened to the law of sin and of death. Being according to the spirit is like being on an airplane, according to the law of aerodynamics, which may be likened to the law of the spirit of life. What a discovery Paul made. Is this a great discovery or what? This is the greatest discovery or even recoveries in God's economy that he discovered that the process trying God has been processed to become the law of the spirit of life in our spirit. I want to ask Paul in the next age, how did you see that, Paul? How did you see that? But he saw it. He saw it. And it all matches our experience, right? It all matches our experience. Now, B says, the law of the Spirit of life is in our mingled spirit, and it has the power to overcome the law of sin and of death in our flesh. he says, if we choose to be according to the Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life will spontaneously, spontaneously, spontaneously free us from the law of sin and of death. The law of the spirit of life does not need our help, but it needs our consent. It needs our amen. amen. So we have a hymn in our hymnal that says, Amen the law of life. Amen the law of life. We need to say amen to the law of the spirit of life and our spirit. That amen means let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. The law of the spirit of life needs our does not need our help, but it needs our consent. F says, in every place and every time... We need to build up a spiritual habit of exercising our spirit to switch on the law of the spirit of life. Switch on the law of the spirit of life so that you can live Christ. Build up spiritual habits. It should be our habit to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. That should be our habit. Can you say that right now? Lord Jesus, I love you. That should be our habit. When we wake up in the morning... That should be the first thing, We one of the first things we say. You know, I woke up in the morning. I didn't wake up uh, swinging from the chandeliers this morning. Albert said, Ed, did you get a good night's sleep? I said, yes, but it wasn't long enough. Uh, but So I woke up. Uh, you know, I was really tired, you know. But one of the first things I said was, Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord Jesus, I love you. Saints, when you wake up in the morning, that should be one of the first things you tell the Lord. Lord Jesus, I love you. I would say this, how's your romance with the Lord? How's your romance with the Lord? Are you romantic with him? Do you tell him that you love him every day? Do you tell him that you love him throughout the day? You know, today's Mother's Day, right? (laughs) No, on Mother's Day, you know, uh, you know, I'm here with my wife, so there's not, not much I can do except take her out with the saints for dinner you know what i mean uh but when i get back i've got a, i've got something in mind i've got something in mind uh, but anyway uh uh you know uh <laughs> you have to keep your romance fresh even in your marriage life you have to tell your spouse that you love you love her or that you love him right If you ask your spouse, do you love me? And she says, yeah, I think so. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be terrible? Or or if you got married and uh, and they said, okay, you may now kiss the bride. And you kiss the bride on on her nose. You would be in big trouble for months and months, right? Because it says in Song of Songs, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Amen. That's to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Amen. That's the most intimate contact we can make. We can make. Uh, again, you know, with my wife, when we'd have special occasions, I would get her practical things like bread makers and, you know, things like that. And my mother would say, Ed, hey, don't get Ruth those. That, that doesn't, that's not going to touch her heart. Anyway, my mother told me, "What would touch your heart?" I, I can't say it now because it won't be a surprise. But anyway, but anyway, you have to get something that touches the person's heart, that touches the person's heart, that makes them say, "Eddie, I love you." Now you don't call me Eddie. She's the only one that can call me Eddie. Okay, now let's look at G. The law of the Spirit of life, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, and the Resurrecting Spirit have been installed. Installed. Let's say installed together. Installed. Into every believer. In order to receive his life supply, we need only to exercise our spirit by calling on the Lord. How about we say, "Oh Lord Jesus, together. Oh, oh Lord Jesus. Jesus. You see, we exercise our spirit by calling on the Lord and i was with this uh i was taking care of this brand new one and a lot of opposers were opposing us and they were opposing him coming into the church life he's an elder in in one locality now he said yeah, this opposer came up to me and said to me why do you say oh so much why do you say oh lord jesus let think about that that's kind of a stupid question you know what i mean why do you say oh lord jesus so I said, "Well, we didn't have uh, iPads then, or anything like that." I, I said, "Let's look at the Strong's Concordance, you know, which is very thick—a thick, thick book, like about this thick." And so I looked up the word "O." Oh, o. Oh. There's hundreds of "O"s in the Bible. <laughs> hundreds of "O"s. Oh God. Oh Lord. You see, there's a big difference if I say, if I say to, you know, the Lord is a living person. When I call Lord Jesus, if I call, if I say, oh, Abraham Lincoln, nothing's going to happen. But if I say, oh, Lord Jesus, oh, I get the sweetness of this person's presence. You see? You see, if I say, oh, if I say, Tony. You see, Tony's there. He said yes. But if I say, oh, Tony. (laughs) You see, that means... (laughs) That means I really want him. You see what I mean? I really desire him. Oh, Tony. Oh, Lord Jesus. So we need to learn to say, "Oh, oh," is scriptural. We need to, oh, Lord, our way into the kingdom of the heavens. So we call on the Lord. We worship the Lord. We thank the Lord, saying, "Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for a new day." We is it shouldn't we be thankful today? Let's say thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We can th- you can thank the Lord for something, right? You might say, "Oh, I feel miserable," but you can thank the Lord for something. You can thank Him that you're alive, right? That you're still breathing. You can thank Him that you're in this meeting, right? You can thank Him for another day to love Him, another day to enjoy Him. You know, it's amazing how unbelievers can be so unthankful. Like when I was an unbeliever, I was such an unthankful person. People would say. Oh, it's a great day. It's a beautiful day. Just like today. It's a beautiful day. I would say it could be better. It could be better. You know, I just was so pessimistic. You know what I mean? But but once I got saved, I began to thank the Lord and be thankful for all things, you know. Now, not only do we thank Him, we praise Him. This is part of our spiritual habit praising the Lord. To say praise the Lord should be our habit. Let's say praise the Lord right now. Praise Praise the the Lord. Lord. Okay, how about the sisters? Praise the Lord. How about the brothers?
1: Praise the
0: Lord. I like to hear that difference between the sisters and the brothers. One is praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's very good. Very good. Okay. So we need to build up a spiritual habit of praising the Lord and exalting the Lord. That means we say Jesus is Lord. Now three says we need to mind the things of the Spirit. And says to mind the things of the Spirit is to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. That is to always have our mind occupied with the things of the Spirit, which are the things concerning Christ. Now one way to occupy your mind with the Spirit is to be in the Word of God regularly. Read your Bible every day. Read your Bible by prayer, with prayer every day. With prayer, in prayer, through prayer, and by prayer. This book is a prayer book. You have 66 books of the Bible. Every book is a prayer book for you to pray, read, and pray over, and pray back to the Lord. Now B says, the things of the Spirit are the deep things of God. To realize and participate in Christ as the deep things of God requires us to think about him. To do what? Love to love him. So, it says this. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it come up in man's heart, what God has prepared for those who love him. It says, but God has revealed them to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things even the deep things of God or even the depths of God. So what happens is this, saints, when you turn your heart to the Lord and you exercise your spirit to say, Lord Jesus, I love you, the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. That Greek word for searches means the Spirit does active research. The Spirit does active research into Christ as the depths of God. And he gets accurate knowledge concerning Christ gained by exploring Christ. He explores Christ, and he does it, and then he re- he reveals Christ to you in your spirit for your realization and participation, where Christ becomes the deep things of God to you, by loving Him, by loving Him. Now C says we need to exercise to build up a habit of continually having our mind occupied. With the things of the spirit, the things concerning Christ. I like D. According to Song of Songs, the seeker is sick with love for the Lord. How about that? Are you sick with love? She said, "Tell my beloved that I'm si- I'm lovesick. I'm sick with love." Within her mind, there is nothing but the Lord. We need to have such a mind. You know, Ray. At one point with with with, uh, with Janet, right? You were lovesick, right? Still are very good. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> but but when you when you first began to court Janet, you were really lovesick, right? It's all you thought about was Janet, Janet, Janet. Maybe your brothers were giving a message. You were thinking about. I can't wait to see Janet after the meeting, because, <laughs> because you were lovesick. I was like that with Ruth. Uh, I remember I remember being in my dorm and looking over at the girls' dorm and thinking oh, I wonder what Ruth is doing tonight. You know, I was lovesick. I was just lovesick. You know, you're lovesick, you might get the ketchup bottle instead of the cream for your coffee. You know what I mean? You just, oh. You know, uh, saints, we need to be like this with the Lord. We need to be lovesick. Where all we think about is Christ. We're just sick with love for him. People can tell if you love the Lord. They can tell if you're the genuine article or not. You see what I mean? Even unbelievers, they can tell. So we need to be sick with love for the Lord. Now, see, let's read E together. We are victorious. Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. Now let's read let's read uh, F together. The, the mind of Christ. The, the mind of the
1: Spirit
0: is a mind that is filled, occupied, and saturated with Christ. So our mind was created to be filled with Christ, to be saturated with Christ, and to be occupied with Christ. Okay, 4 says, we need to put to death the practices of our body. Don't put to death your body. That's asceticism. Don't practice asceticism, which is to put to death your body. Put to death the practices of your body. It's like uh, A says, the practices of the body are our old habits. We all have old habits, right? Am I right? We have old habits. And these practices include not only sinful things, but also everything practiced by our body apart from the spirit. So whatever you practice in your body apart from the spirit is a practice of the body that needs to be put to death. You know, I used this illustration before. Uh, When I was a little boy, my dad had his chair in the living room. It was his chair. And so I would sit in the chair as a little boy. I would sit in the chair, but then I would hear the door open. My dad's home. I heard the door open, the door closed. I would just jump out of that chair. Just jump out of that chair as fast as I could because that was his chair. And that chair could have wound up in the Smithsonian Institute. I mean, it it was his chair. Don't, don't, now I find myself doing the same thing. I've got my chair at home. And my boy, one of my boys was sitting in a chair one day and I said, Get out of there, that's dad's chair. what is that that's a practice of the body you know what i mean Now that doesn't mean i shouldn't sit in that chair at all you know what i mean but the point is is i have to sit in that chair by the spirit wherever i sit it has to be by the spirit not apart from the spirit okay uh let's read b together Isn't that wonderful? Now 5 says we need to be led by the Spirit of God. We do not need to seek after the Spirit's leading since it is already present within us, dwelling in our regenerated spirit. If we live under this leading, we will walk and behave in a way that proves that we are God's sons. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. The leading here is not merely an action of the Spirit. It is the triune God Himself becoming the leading in our spirit. If we would care for Him as a person who indwells us, we will spontaneously be led by Him. Isn't that wonderful? Care for Him as a person who indwells you. You will spontaneously be led by Him. You know, it says in Hebrews 11 that Abraham went out to a land not knowing where he was going. Can you imagine that? Jeff, you knew when you moved here where you were going, right? And what if the Lord told you, I want you to go to a place not knowing where you're going? That would be pretty rough, right? Well, what Abraham had to do was he had to take God's presence as his traveling map. God's presence, which is the law of the spirit of life in our spirit, is our traveling map. God's presence, which is the law of the spirit of life in our spirit, is our real GPS God's presence satellite. Right here, GPS, right? We follow that GPS. We don't follow... You know, if you turn on a GPS and... uh, I I still remember uh, when they first had GPSs, I would rent a Hertz car sometimes in Pittsburgh, and the Hertz car GPS said, Never get lost. Never get lost. And so I turned on that GPS... And uh I got lost. I got lost. In in Pittsburgh, GPSs don't work that well because Pittsburgh is a you know was founded in the seventeen hundreds and the and the roads just go every which way. You know, you're gonna be going east all of a sudden you're going west, going north, you're going south. You know, when we give directions in Pittsburgh, we don't say go east, go west. We say go to the third tree, make a left When you see the store that has this sign on it, make a right. (laughs) We do it that way. And you come to the school, make a left. Anyway, it's like that. You can't say go east, go west, go south. If you do that, you'll be mixed up. Well, the GPS got all mixed up. Finally, I said, I'm just going to turn this GPS off and use my own GPS. Use my own GPS, which I hope was God's presence. But anyway, I knew where I was going. Now... Uh, look at 6. We need to cry, Abba, Father. Amen. Let's do that. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Now, don't just do that in the meetings. Cry, Abba, Father outside the meetings. Look at A. Abba is an Aramaic word, and Father is the translation of the Greek word potter. The, combi- the combining of the Aramaic title with the Greek title, expresses a stronger affection in crying to the Father. So, um, brother, uh, forgive me. What is your name again? Balmy, balmy. balmy right. Balmy. Forgive me, Balmy. It's, uh, you know, in English, we don't have Balmy names. But you're Balmy because you're from Ethiopia, right? And Now, how do you say Dada in, Ethi- in, in Amharic? Amharic. Abba. You say Abba. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Same thing, same thing in Ethiopian, Abba. And when you say Abba to your, is your dad still with you? Yes. When you say Abba to him, doesn't he like that? Yeah, he, loves he loves it, right? He loves it. you. Say Abba. He, oh, mommy, what do you want? Do you want a car? I'll give you a car. <laughs> <laughs> right? We need to learn to say Abba, Abba, Father. You know, my little, my little two-year-old, she's, I think she's two now, or she's about two. When Ruth gets on FaceTime with her, the first thing she says to Ruth, she says, Papa, Papa. Oh, I said, oh, she wants to see me. Papa, Papa, my heart gets so warm. I tell you, when you call God, Abba, Father, his whole being gets, becomes intimate with you comes intimate with you, and you. That's why we call Abba Father. In in Chinese, it's Baba, right? uh I think so. Uh, is it is that right? Chinese is Baba, is that right? Yes, Baba, Baba, right? Papa, Abba. That's wonderful. I'm Abba, man. When I go to Ethiopia, I'm going to say Abba Father. A lot. A lot. Okay. So, this implies a stronger affection in crying to the Father. Such an affectionate cry implies an intimate relationship in life between a genuine son and a begetting father. Now we come to Roman numeral 2. This says Romans 8 may be considered the focus of the entire Bible and the center of the universe. Thus, if we experience Romans 8... We are in the center of the universe. Saints, do you want to be in the center of the universe? Do you want to live in the center of the universe? That's where we want to live. We want to be in the focus of the entire Bible. We want to be in the center of the universe. Now, why do we say this is the focus of the entire Bible and the center of the universe? Because of this, saints. You have Romans 8 on the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He this person this processed person has been installed in our spirit then romans 9 through 11 are parentheses are parenthetical section and romans 9 through 11 talks about God's selection so Romans 12 is a direct continuation of Romans 8 and Romans 12 is on the body life or you could say it's on the reality of the body of Christ so when you live the God man life that's that's exhibited in Romans 8, you live this God-man life, you live out this other person by the law of the spirit of life, that catapults you, that jettisons you into the body life in Romans 12. And that body life, that manifestation of that corporate living of the perfected God-man in Romans 12, that manifestation of the body life is realized in the local churches in Romans 16. Also in Romans 16, you have what we call the blending life of the entire body of Christ. Paul greeted the churches, he greeted individuals, and he blend the whole body together in doing that. So you have the blending life of the entire body of Christ in Romans 16 realized in the local churches. This consummates in the New Jerusalem in Revelation 19, 7-9 as the bride of Christ and consummately as the wife of Christ in Revelation 21 and 22 That is the center of the universe. So without Romans 8, you can't have the body life. Without the body life, you can't have the blending life of the entire body of Christ. Without the blending life of the entire body of Christ in the local churches, you can't have the New Jerusalem. So that's why we say Romans 8 is the focus of the entire Bible and the center of the universe. A says, let's read A all together. Isn't that wonderful? Now let's read B. In this way, God is expressed from within man. Then see says, Zechariah 12, 1 says, Thus declares Jehovah, who stretches forth the heavens and lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. Forms the spirit of man within him. That means the spirit of man is ranked with the heavens and with the earth. The spirit of man. Now, um okay let's read uh... let's read one together under C. The
1: spirit of man
0: is Ephesians 2.22 says our spirit is the dwelling place of God if you want to find God you have to come here this is the address of the triune God the address of the triune God I can know that you live in Bellevue, Jeff, but if I just search around Bellevue, and it's going to be hard for me to find you. I need your address. Well, we have the address of the law of the spirit of life, and that address is our human spirit, our human spirit. Okay, so let's read two. Did we read two? Okay, let's read two. Heavens are for the Earth, the earth is for man, and man was created by God with a spirit, so that he may contact God, receive God, worship God, live God, fulfill God's purpose for God, and be one with God. Isn't that a wonderful definition of the spirit? That's a wonderful definition. OK. Saints, let me just say something. I'm I'm very burdened for you all. You know, let me just say something. I'm going to quote from the Genesis Life Study. The Lord wants you to be happy. Do you believe that? That's why he put you in a garden called Eden. Eden means pleasure. That means God wants to be your pleasure. God wants to be your satisfaction. God wants to be your entertainment. God wants to be your amusement. That's why we come to the meetings, right? We shouldn't, you know. One time, Brother Lee came to a group of brothers. This brother testified this in Germany. He said he came in and he saw the brothers. He said, "Your long faces scare me. You know, your long faces. No, no smiles on the face. Long faces. Your long faces scare me." Uh, and he just went, "Oh, Lord!" But saints, we we should be happy believers. Happy believers. I'm not saying that we fake it, no. We live by the law of the spirit of life in our spirit. And we exercise our spirit. We use our spirit. And when we do this, we become full of joy. Full of joy. So that brings us to D. D says the central focus in the universe is that the process trying God has come into us and now dwells in us. This is the greatest miracle. Nothing else in the universe could be more important than this. The process, trying God, has come into us and now dwells in us. We have him that says, oh, what a miracle, my Lord, that I'm in thee and thou in me, that thou and I are really one. Oh, what a wondrous mystery, right? So this is the greatest miracle. Now look at E. Let's read up to the word joy. Let's read that together. Okay, sisters,
1: we should all be full
0: of joy. brothers, and why should we be full of joy? Because the triune God is indwelling us and is one with us. He is our life and our person, and he is making us his home. We're strengthened with power through his spirit into our spirit, which is our inner man, so that Christ may spread out into our heart by faith you see we're strengthened into our inner man with power so that christ can make his home in our heart through faith he's making his home he's making our heart his home so we're full of joy now in john fifteen eleven, john says this he says this he says or the lord says this in john he says that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full we need to pray, John 15 and 11, back to the Lord and say, Lord, I want your joy to be in me, Lord. Amen. And I want my joy to be made full. You said this, Lord. You said you wanted this from me. I'm praying this back to you. I pray your joy would be in me, in me and that my joy would be made full. Amen. Now, saints, there's four levels of joy. Firstly, there's the joy of salvation. When you get saved, You should be full of joy, right? Uh, People say, what's wrong with Ed? You know, when I got saved, they said, what's wrong with Ed? He used to be miserable. Now he's happy all the time. What's wrong with him? You know, it's amazing. When I was miserable, I was very popular. (laughs) I was very popular. People like me. Some people call me Easy Ed, Easy Ed. You know, that means he goes along with you. He's, you know, no problem with him, you know. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> but I was miserable. But then when I got saved and got full of God in Christ as the spirit of life, as my joy, I became unpopular. Now, isn't that illogical? You would think people would say, Oh, I'm so glad Ed is full of joy now, but they didn't do that because Satan is illogical. Satan is not logical. You can't analyze darkness, right? So they, they just, they just, something's wrong with that. He's happy. Well, I had the joy of salvation, which we've all had, the joy of salvation. Then we had the joy of coming into the church life. When we came into the church life, there was joy. William, am I right? When you came into the church life, you had joy, didn't you, brother? It was inexplicable. You couldn't explain it. I couldn't explain it. I came to my first prayer meeting. My first meeting was a prayer meeting. Can you imagine that? People saying, amen, amen. Oh, Lord, scatter us. Scatter us, Lord. I mean, Lord, why do they want to be scattered? They wanted to be scattered to preach the gospel. That was in Acts, in the book of Acts. They were pray-reading the word. I didn't know that. So after the prayer, I was afraid to lift up my head. I had my head down the whole time. I couldn't enter into the prayer. Then I said, Lord, why do they want to be scattered? And Lord, I never heard people pray like this. And then, then I looked up. I looked up, and this brother across from me, he was just, he beamed, B-E-A-M-E-D. He beamed Christ into me. He was beaming with Christ. He was a beamer. (laughs) He was a real beamer. You know, in Isaiah 60, I believe it's verse 5, it says, You shall see, and you shall beam, and your heart shall swell and be filled with joy and awe. You shall see, see the Lord and you shall beam the Lord. We need to be beamers, not BMWs, but beamers, right? Real beamers who beam Christ in the people. So we have the joy of the church. Then when we come in the church, we enter into the joy of the body of Christ. We touch the body of Christ for a for a deeper level of joy, a deeper level of joy. That means we fellowship about everything, right? Uh, Like, I was about to share something with the brothers uh, just a few days ago. And I checked with Albert before, and I said, Albert, do you feel okay if I would share this? Albert said, very good. I could have just gone and shared it. But because of the body life in me, I said, I need to fellowship with Albert first, you know. So I fellowship with Albert. And then I had the peace. So you have the joy of the body life. Then you have a fourth level of joy. And listen to this. This is the joy of the one new man. Where there's no Jew, according to Colossians 3.10, there cannot be. That means there's no possibility for. There's no room for Jew and Greek. Circumcision and uncircumcision. Barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man. But Christ is all and in all. That means Christ is all the persons and Christ is in all the persons. That means there's no Texan in the new man. There's no, I don't know how you say Washington, is it Washingtonian or whatever? Washingtonian, you know, there's no Washingtonian in the new man. There's no Mongolian in the new man. There's no Chinese in the new man. There's no, there's no race, no culture in the new man. There's no Ethiopian in the new man. (laughs) Balmy, come here for a second. (laughs) Balmy, look out there. This is the one new man. Doesn't that look glorious, brother? Yes. (laughs) Is that wonderful? Wonderful. (laughs) And look, look, all different kinds of colors, right? All different kinds of places. All different kinds of shades. All different kinds of cultures. But all that has been put on the cross. And we are one new New. man. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, brother. (laughs) It's wonderful. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. I had a new one I was taking care of, and I brought him to a meeting. And he looked around and saw all the saints from all different backgrounds, different cultures, different races, being one. And he just wept. He just wept. He said, only God could do this. Only God could do this. It's just wonderful. So we have the joy of the one new man. Now, F says, the indwelling spirit in Romans 8 is the triune God. One says, in the expression, the spirit of God, the spirit and God are in apposition, indicating that the Spirit and God are one. Similarly, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead, and the Spirit of life in Romans 8, indicate that the Spirit is Christ, the resurrecting one, and life. Therefore, since the Spirit indwells us, all three of the triune God are in us as life. Three says, The Spirit in Romans 8 is the all-inclusive Spirit as the ultimate consummation and application of the triune God. The Spirit is the reaching, the, the application of the triune God to us. Four says, the triune God as the all-inclusive Spirit is within us for us to experience and enjoy Him by taking Him as our life and our person. Saints, we are the container of the triune God. Saints, we don't just experience Christ, we enjoy Christ. You know, you can experience broccoli, but do you enjoy broccoli? You see, you need to experience broccoli and you need you need to go further to enjoy <laughs> to enjoy broccoli. <laughs> you know, one of my little boys, we tried to get him to eat his broccoli and he just he just did not like the broccoli. We would try to put it in his mouth and we say, You have to eat your broccoli. So, when we weren't looking, he would put it behind the microwave. One day we looked behind the microwave, and it was like penicillin was back there. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, we, we kind of gave up on him eating broccoli. He's still healthy. He's, he's, he's a healthy young man. He's, Jeff knows him. He's tall. He's strong. He's, but no broccoli. But saints, we just don't need to experience Christ. We need to enjoy Christ. Also enjoy Him. When Christ enters into us, our spirit is regenerated, making our spirit life. When we love the Lord and set our mind on the things concerning Him, our mind is life. Furthermore, if the Spirit of the Resurrecting One indwells us, He will give life to our mortal body. Now let's read one altogether. According to God's economy and eternal purpose... What God wants to do in His salvation is to work Himself into us, His redeemed people, as our life. God's desire to work Himself into us as our life is the focus of the Bible. So this is the focus of the Bible, God's desire to work Himself into our being. Now let's read two together. Let's read three. If we are, weak, man, it is we are short of breath. To it is to
1: call upon the name of the Lord.
0: You see, in Lamentations 3 55 and 56, Jeremiah says this He said, I called upon your name, O Jehovah, out of the lowest pit. Don't hide your ear at my breathing, at my cry. So calling on the Lord. Is our spiritual breathing. Don't hold your breath in your Christian life. Don't say, "Oh, I know about calling on the Lord." Call on the Lord. Call on the Lord frequently throughout the day. Say, "Oh, Lord Jesus, I need You." Maybe you don't know what to pray. Just say, "Oh, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I need You right now." Lord Jesus, I don't know what to pray, but I need You, Lord. I need You. And you'll get it. You'll get Him. You call on the na- a person. You call on the name of that person. You get the person of that name. You get the person of that name. And don't analyze the pit. You're in a pit and you say, how did I get into this pit? What did I do to get in this pit? And what did I do? I must have done something. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for being in this pit. What you need to do is call on the name of the Lord. Just call on his name. Now let's read four all together. This is to possess, experience, and enjoy the subjective God within our being. And let's read five. When God is thus added into our being, we will
1: receive the life element that causes us to grow for the building up of the body of Christ. Let's read six.
0: Okay, how about those of us who can, let's stand and read seven together. Ultimately, this life will prepare the bride of Christ, which will cause the Lord to come back and usher us into the next age. For this reason, the crucial focus of the Bible and the universe is in Romans 8.